2: encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB, Talk 860, and womentowatch.net. I have uh, two women in the studio with me this afternoon. One is observing. She's going to give me a grade at the end of the show. Uh, And the other is our very special guest who happens to be a local woman in the Philadelphia area, and I'm honored to have her on the show today. Her name is Marcy Shankweller. She is the founder and CEO of for Pete's sake, which is a nonprofit organization that provides respite vacations for young adults facing cancer. Uh, and before we welcome her to the show, I want to give out our call-in number. If you're listening and you would like to, to join us, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so by dialing 888-329-3306. That's 888 888- 329 3306. And uh, just to let you know, we're on multiple platforms. Uh, you can uh, listen to us live stream at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net. And our podcast is on iTunes. And we are also live streamed to TuneIn Radio. Uh, TuneIn Radio is spelled T U N E I N Radio. And that's a free app. Where you can listen live as well. So I would like to welcome our guest this afternoon, Marcy. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Sue. Good to be here. I'm thrilled to have you face to face. I, I have, do a lot of call-ins, and I'm always, you know, very happy when people can join me in the studio. It makes for a better interview. Um, And I want to talk about, I want to start out, I guess, uh, learning a little bit more about you and your younger years to give the listeners a sense of where you came from and what your family dynamic was when you were a young girl. So I understand you were the oldest of nine.
1: Yes, the oldest of nine children. And my parents had their own business and blessed with, you know, a great community around me um, from Doylestown in Seattle City, New Jersey, that really shaped who I am today. Uh, and it was just it was a. my parents are, are great role models for my brothers and sisters as we grew up in working hard and um, don't letting not letting fear hold you back, you mm-hmm. know, and always being kind and compassionate. And that's how they live their lives. And uh, I think that most of you know all the nine of us, that's how we live today. So,
2: well, being the oldest, I would imagine you had a lot more responsibility than the youngest. Were you a take-charge, you know, uh, kind of I was, bossy sister?
1: I was a take-charge, um, I think, to a certain point. Um, you know, my younger sisters would probably say maybe to, to a detriment at times. Um, <laughs> I think I like to escape once in a while. You know, I love to read as a child. And um, they always used to laugh, like, when we did our chores, I would always disappear to, like, read the newspaper. Uh, so they still remind me that today. Um, that's a
2: great hobby, reading well, it. Is- yeah,
1: it was. And that was my peace and quiet um, yeah. as the oldest of nine. Um, but you know what? My We had a great... A community of people, too. Like, I went to school in Dolestown. Um, you know, we were involved in our community. You know, I worked down in Seattle at a bakery where I met people from all over. Uh, so I think my parents really instilled in all my siblings a really good sense of, of family, you know, and communication and healthy communication and, um, you know, just working hard.
2: Yeah. Entrepreneurship um, in, in a family, I think, always seems to offer a lesson to the kids that you have to step up and and contribute and and help you know um where different from when a dad or mom goes off to an office and the family's not really involved in the day-to-day
1: right well it's funny I could I can relate it to a great story like we when we were uh really young my dad would need help at like five o'clock in the morning and we would all lay in our beds and we could hear him coming up the steps (laughs) and we'd be like please don't come into our room, please don't <laughs> Don't let me. it be me, don't let it be me today. I mean, that's, and that's really, you know, that, I, I mean, that's a vivid memory we have and we all laugh about it today because, you know, once in a while it was you and, right. you know, you had to be there and you had to perform and it was an expectation that you had, but you know, in the sense, it was a great gift and we had so much fun doing it.
2: Yeah. Is anyone running the business today?
1: I do. My, my two brothers okay. have run the business and my um, father is retired. Uh, and my mom actually works with me at, for Pete's she sake.
2: Does. Oh, that's wonderful. She that's does. wonderful.
1: So now I'm her boss. No, <laughs>
2: <laughs> It's always fun to boss no. our parents around. Oh, I tell yeah. you,
1: it's a nice dynamic. But she's a lovely pe- person, so I'm yeah. very fortunate to have her.
2: So tell me, you know, as a young girl, we always have, you know, dreams and thoughts about what we want to be when we grow up. Grown ups are constantly thinking, what do you want to be when you grow up? What was that for you?
1: Yeah, I think the first time I, I think it was. Um, like I said, I love to read and I love to read about science and I always thought I'd be an astronaut in all honesty wow. in one day. Um which never is, too late. No, no, never too late. Yep. Um so I think that was really kind of what I did and then you know, I you know, teacher, um but I guess I just, I never really, was, other than being, like, an astronaut and then maybe, like, when I was in high school, I was thinking I could be a doctor. Because I did like the medical world. And my brother was actually diagnosed with cancer when he was young. So I was the oldest oh. and he was the youngest. Yeah. And I think that kind of attracted me to that. Now, he's healthy now. Good. Um, you know, he's, he's uh, a grown adult um, and doing beautifully. So I think that, you know, it's like those life experiences as you go by, you kind of change your perception of mm-hmm what you want to be but I think my mom and dad would say they just want everyone to be happy yeah,
2: yeah right that's the most important um tell me about where did you go to high school
1: I went to the Mount Mount St. Oh, Jude's in Flower Kingdom. yes where my yes. daughter graduated there we go see another nice another connection. connection
2: yeah what a wonderful school um that teaches young women they can be leaders right yes they do that's mm-hmm. one of the main messages um so it's important, you know, the The foundation um, started because of uh, your husband, Pete, and you met, you were high school sweethearts. I'd love to know, you know, about meeting him and what was it that attracted you to him back in the day?
1: I think, you know, I would say first his smile. Um, I met him when I was a senior early in the year, although I knew him from Seattle City. He was a lifeguard and I worked in the bakery and the, he used to come and get donuts, oh, ironically. Okay. Um, so, I always knew who he was, and there were pictures of us as younger children back at the yacht club of Seattle and dances. Um, but it was in my senior year, I guess I really just. His smile attracted me and his warmth, and he just had a certain warmth in his personality and how he approached people. Um, and I remember just speaking with him. Uh, it was when the Flyers were in the playoffs, so it, it tells you how back in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, and. I just remember thinking, you know, he's a really good person. And Mm -hmm. I think he just just emulated that warmth and that goodness.
2: Yeah. So then did you, you you both went off to college. We did. And where did he go?
1: He went to LaSalle and I ended up at LaSalle. Okay. So we ended up going to school together. Which was really a lot of fun. Mm
2: Yeah. And I understand you majored in math and education.
1: I did. I did. I started off as biology and then, you know, I I had this great Christian brother, um, Brother Bangs. Um, who really helped kind of guide me. And he said, you know, you you really would, are strong in math. And I said, well, maybe I'll just be a teacher. like, And, you know, I think you just look back on that time, and it's just, you know, the type of guidance you got at LaSalle was really um, individualized. And he just helped point me in the right direction. And really kind of, as opposed to, like, just getting an education, it was really um, a way to think, you know, and a way to analyze, and a way to, like, really, really put your hand around... Um, a, a situation, and then really be able to make the most of it, and that's really so. That education just was so immense, and I had great mentors in the faculty there, as tell, in the mountain.
2: Yeah, tell me, I want to know what you think when you look back now, going to an all-girls academy. Um, how do you feel that helped shape you? Had you know different from going to a co-ed school? In other words, did you take certain lessons from being in that kind of environment um, with you?
1: I did. I think it was uh, the sisters, of St. Joe's, and having uh, having a, I, I, having a specific teacher at a school in that um, I had a, a woman named Sister William Teresa, who was my math teacher, ironically, who always believed in me, and no matter how hard I struggled, and I did struggle, like it was, like they were very, very challenging math problems, and I would say, I can't do this, and she said, you know, Marcy, if you put your mind to it, you can do anything, um, and I ended up actually going back and teaching for her for a period of time because she became ill. So it was just, it's amazing to look at those connections that you have and it's the people that you are mentored. Um, but she really kind of focused me, you know, on it. And uh, and I think I can speak to that, like that's going to an all-girls school. It was the focus um, and it was the leadership and it was the service and it was the spirituality. You yeah. know, it was really, that was an important part of that, of of our faith development mm-hmm. um, and the role that we played in a bigger picture yeah. in the world.
2: How about other activities? What, what were you involved in when you were in high school? Uh, Outside of math.
1: <laughs> Outside of, math.
2: <laughs> was it a lot of math. math.
1: A lot of math homework. Um, yeah. I, uh, I actually played basketball. Oh, you did. So, and I came, yeah. I, my father was a big basketball player, so I played basketball all the time. I mm-hmm. think that was one of my main outlets. Um, and I was really involved in the Catholic Youth Organization. like on a leadership uh, in my parish and both downtown, and I did a lot. I mean, I have great, great memories of some phenomenal and some phenomenal friends um, from those times, but I think that was an important part of of leadership and developing that.
2: Yeah, sports, I just think, are so great for, for young girls. You know, they really are. They, they develop all kinds of things, you know, um, keep them busy, you know, leadership, you know, definitely, and just kind of learning how to um, – work hard and be committed to something you know
1: and then being a member of a team because i think one thing you recognize is and i I look back on the formation of for pete's sake this is really a team effort this Mm -hmm. is not marcy's effort um you know it was pete's vision and then there are people around that vision but it's really a team effort and you know you have to complement each other on that team. We all don't have the same skill sets. That's right. You know, but when we bring our skill sets together, mm-hmm. you know, collectively, like it can be really powerful, and it can be a powerful movement that we don't necessarily recognize at the time, but in retrospect, you know, that's really what the mount taught me, and my experiences at LaSalle taught me, you know, and just today, yeah, going through for Pete's sake.
2: Yeah, no, that's a great um, lesson because, <clears throat> excuse me, we talk about it on the show a lot, bringing both the gifts of men and women together. It's, it's not about having all women in charge or all men. You know, mm-hmm. when you bring that diversity, um, that's when you have different ideas and innovation and kind of takes things to the next level. Um, so at what point did you decide that you were going to go to law school?
1: Uh, Well, again, it comes back to, like, I really, I had no idea of going to law school. When I walked out of the doors of LaSalle University, if someone had told me I would end up in a a law school a year later, I would never have believed him. But um, I had a wonderful, wonderful mentor at my first job, which was for um, the federal government, and it was a training program. And he uh, approached me uh, about five months into the job and said to me, you know, you really should be an attorney, so I don't know if I should take this as a compliment or <laughs> not. Going back, but but he it was really it, it was really his thought. And he said, "I think you would make an excellent attorney." So I said, "Okay, sure." And I took the LSATs like a couple weeks later, and then a year later. What do you
2: think later, it was? What was it? Do you think yeah. your negotiating skills, or I think it probably was just
1: communication, you know, and just and, and being able to communicate with different people. Um, but I also think it was like a little. Uh, I, I want to say like I was committed. Like when I thought of something and it was good and it was the right thing to do. You know, I was committed to like moving in that direction mm-hmm. you know and I think that you know doing the right thing sometimes isn't always the easy path mm-hmm. but when it is a path you know and you know it's a path that from a, from a personal standpoint that it's the, that that's the way you should be moving I think you have to be persuasive in a certain sense and you have to um, you know you have to 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 really kind of harness um, not only like what you have within your thoughts, but then to be able to listen to people and to dissect what they're saying and really just make a really strong, firm, you know, for better lack of words, like argument that why doing, you know, a, a certain path is the right path to mm-hmm. take.
2: Well, I would say that you must have the gift of persuasion and conviction. Those are, you know, two really important qualities, and, and my guess is that your colleagues saw that in you. So, yes, it right. was good. Yes. Yes, I mean, here <laughs> I he am. And that, here you are.
1: Yeah, I mean, seven years. I went to law. I mean, I went to four years at night and then three years for my post-law degree. So he really put me on a trajectory that I did not anticipate, you know, at the age of 21.
2: Yeah, amazing. So, so uh, what year did you graduate? law school.
1: Uh I graduated law school in 95 and then I went and got my post-law degree in tax and I graduated from that in 98. Okay. From Temple.
2: And is when did you get married?
1: Uh, I got married in 1994. In so 94. I was in law school when I got married.
2: Okay. And um so what happened between 94 and 98, you know, with Pete and and those four years, what were they like?
1: You know, we got married in uh in June and you know, I think you know you're always anticipating like marrying the love of your life, and when you get married, I mean it was complete bliss I mean, don't get me wrong, we didn't have our disagreements, but um, we just had a lot of fun together, and mm-hmm. I think we really enjoyed the time that we spent, so he really was my best friend, you know i mean i just I confided in him you know and and um I just cherished you know the advice he gave me and how I think we complemented each other to become better people uh, and that's really kind of how what what I take away from that marriage. So what, you know, the compliments that I necessarily didn't have, you know, he was able to share with me. So, um, I went to school then still at night, uh, during that time to get my post-law degree in tax. Um, so that was, it was a strain, you know, and it took a lot of self-sacrifice on his part and my part. Uh, so, Um, But it was, you know, we had a lot of fun. And what was he doing at the time? He worked in a family-owned business.
2: Oh, he did? Uh, He did. So he
1: worked with his father. Uh uh, So, and then he had a partner and then another son. And it was just, he really enjoyed, like, what he did. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think there was ever any regrets from, you know, what he did, like, on a professional level. And, the, and how much enjoyment he got from it and the people he shared it with.
2: Yeah, um, We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to talk about uh, the day that he got the diagnosis. Okay. We'll be right back. Where does one turn when faced with the devastating loss of hair from cancer or other medical conditions? When Jamie Levin, owner of Wig Elegance, Wigadoo, and Rosalind Stella's Wig Boutique lost her own mother to cancer in 2009, she and her husband Rob decided to take over the full-service family-owned wig salons to honor her mother's memory. What their company offers is the personal and private experience that men, women, and children deserve at such a difficult time. To learn more about their unique services and warm and compassionate staff at all three salons, such as a free consultation with expertise, full education, private booths, and clean set and cutting services, go to WigEleganceWigs.com or call 215-945-4900. That's WigEleganceWigs.com. 215-945-4900 215-945-4900 that phone number again is 215-945-4900 and ask for your special offer as a listener to the show on selected items such as $50 off a synthetic wig or $100 off a human hair wig that's wig elegance wigs.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of Women to Watch. I have a wonderful woman in the studio with me. Her name is Marcy Schwankweller, and she's the founder and CEO of a nonprofit organization called For Pete's Sake. And it's an organization that provides respite vacations for young adults facing cancer. Um, It's an organization that she came to found from um, an experience in her own life, losing her her first husband, Pete, to cancer at a young age, too young. Um, I wonder if you can just take us through uh, that day uh, when he received the diagnosis back in 1998.
1: Sure. Um, it's a, a day I will always remember. Oh, sure. um, actually, it was, and I also uh, chuckled because it was when there was such thing as a call waiting, which I guess we still have, but it was just when call waiting first came out um, because I was actually on the phone doing some legal work because um, I was in the midst of switching positions uh, to become more of a tax attorney when he called and he said that uh, he just got a phone call from the doctor and he'd like to see us in his office at lunch. So, had know, he
2: gone with some complaints? Of, he did. He, you know,
1: it's interesting when you're 20, you know, when you're 29 years old and you, th- you, you don't feel well, it was just more of a general, I don't feel right. well. And then there was just a great fatigue, you know, mm. like, you know, and, and ironically, like, he tried to mow the lawn one day and he just couldn't seem to actually get that task done. And I say, you know, we really have to look at, like, why you feel this way. You know, there seems to be some type of underlying problem and having known my brother's history too um Mm -hmm. you know I was acutely aware that things do come up you know and so um I guess it was I I, my antennas were up I would say in a certain sense so um with good that for mind. you,
2: to, because as you mentioned, when we're that age, we ignore, you know, you don't feel good. You just ignore it. You don't have an assumption that something more serious could be going on.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, that's really kind of just, it It was that quick, you know, and um, we were in the physician's office, you know, two hours later, and it just led us down a path that, like, I thought was unimaginable, you know, 24 hours prior. Um, so what was normal a normal day now was a day consumed by just uh, the uncertainty of what the future lied ahead.
2: Right. What do we do now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, before I get uh, to my next question, we have a caller on the line. Um, Nina, welcome to the show. Nina, are you there? Okay. I guess. We might have lost her. That's okay. Um, I wanted to to talk about when you're, so you're thrown into this and and you're young. You guys are in your 20s. That's so hard. And um, you're probably just dealing with the day-to-day. Now, what are we going to do? What is the treatment? You know, what is the next step? And at some point, your husband starts to kind of get a sense, I would say, uh, inside, you know, what this outcome was going to be. And decided that he wanted to go away Mm -hmm. and take a and take a vacation, and uh, you know when I was reading your bio, um, I kind of laughed that you know he wanted to do that, and you thought, well, geez, I think we should spend our money on you know medical bills. (laughs) Tell me, tell me how he won you over.
1: Well, you know, I think, um, well, you know, I guess I had much more serious approach uh, than he did, and that being said, he had he had a strong appreciation, like, for what the potential outcome could be. Uh, and I I look back on it, and, you know, our friends had a beef and beer at the Mount, and, you know, Sister Mary Dacey opened up that school, and we had 500 people come, and they handed us that check that evening back when there was the, the Mac machine, and we got a little <laughs> Mac card um, that had money in an account. And it was really, like, it was an immediate decision from him um, to just say you know it 's we just need to get, take that break, um, and I think it was for him it was it was time to recharge his battery. you know he had just gotten th- through a major major surgery and you know months of chemo, uh, and I think it was to recharge my battery, but i probably didn 't even notice you know when you 're a caregiver you 're just kind of on autopilot and you just you 're not thinking about your needs you 're thinking about the needs of the person that you love so deeply that and you, and in a situation that you have no control over, so uh, essentially, you know, he really just won me over by just being one persistent son of a gun, you know, and um, and saying, look, you know, there's no like, money is just money, but time is a gift, you know, and while those bills are still going to be there, you know, and um, but what you and I are going to be able to accomplish in a period of time is really. That that right now is precious, and that really right now is turbulent, and right, right now is uncertain. Um, it's that it's those like nebulous gifts that you're gonna walk away with, like being, and those memories that yeah. you have. Yeah. Like and and there's there's no price tag for for a memory that's glorious and joyful, and healing.
2: Right. So you came back from that trip, and I, I guess that was kind of an aha moment um, for Pete before you, he had this idea about how wonderful that trip was and what that did for him. Uh, My first question is, when you came back from that vacation, was that a time when you both felt that things were not going to go well? No, I
1: think you always knew, like we had gotten some news right before we went away, that his tumor had a certain element to it that was really made the prognosis challenging. So, you know, you always have that in the back of your mind, but then you also have hope. And I think... What that trip did for us, it gave us hope. Um, maybe not hope in the sense that you're going to survive this, but hope that there will be a tomorrow, you know, and there was hope that I would have a life, you know, and there's hope that this journey will continue for him as long as possible. Um, and the hope that, you know, during this time that we get to spend together, not only Pete and I, but the community around the two of us, you know, that the, that we can all walk away with some wonderful Um, kind of lessons, you know, about the journey of life, you know, and what we're all going to be called to because it's a journey we're all going to travel as a result of our own mortality. So, you know, it's just, it's not, it's how we live in that journey Mm -hmm. that really defines who we are.
2: Right. So, um, so the listeners know he, he died soon after, was it six months, six months, six months later. That's, -hmm. that's so, so quick. Um, How much did he do with that vision and that idea that he wanted to um, provide vacations respites you know away time for other family members and other families that were going through cancer
1: well, I think when you 're twenty nine I mean and he would he would be down at um, at Penn and he would would there would be some other young people there, but there wasn 't a large, large number, and he you know, there was no resources out there right. for people in this age group because you don 't think you 're going to get cancer. Um, And some of the people, young people he did meet had small children and they had, they had demands that he and I couldn't, you know, couldn't actually imagine, you know, at the time. Uh, And, you know, essentially, like, he just said, wouldn't it be great if we can give the same gift that we had to these other young people? And, um, you know, so he was actually really involved. Like, he developed the whole concept. He said, let's call it Peter's Homes. And, I mean, he, I mean, to the point where he was like, you know, in my obituary notice, I want you to write this in my, like you know, in lieu of flowers, send donations Uh for Pete's sake,
2: yeah. you know. It was important to him. It was important to him. Yeah,
1: Um. So, and I think the profound moment came really like when I was with my mom again in the funeral home, like the day he died, and I remember looking at my mom saying, should I put this in his obituary notice? You know, and it really was like an aha moment where I said, you know, and I, I, and i didn 't know what to do you know i 've had these long conversations with Pete, and then I it, when the moment actually came, it was like that pause you know, and you really say, "Is this the direction and you know i think I think it was like just you know the Holy Spirit saying, "All right, just trust and put it in there, and you don 't know what 's going to come from it but um, but we did, so my mom and my mom was sitting right next to me, so i 'm going to put it you know. She just she a had plug a, out to mom plug out, a to, plug mom. out to mom Yeah,
2: yeah. so yeah. well that leads me to my next question because so from that point on um you made a decision you know you were an attorney at the time and, and a tax attorney is that correct
1: I was mm-hmm.
2: and you made this decision I'm going to leave my job and I'm going to start this nonprofit that is incredibly courageous that's a big scary decision to make and I'm wondering what you said to yourself um to to get, move through that fear and go ahead and do that and leave that job yeah well
1: that's a great question and I think there's so many different it's multifaceted like I I guess part of it um was the fact that I had lost Pete so I was in the midst of like some like serious grief myself mm-hmm. um but then as time went by and I thought I had experienced some healing you know, I looked back and I back on that and I see you no know, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? The worst thing that happened to me just transpired. Right. You know, I lost the love of my life, and I lost the dreams I had, you know, when I was when I walked down that aisle, you right. know. And so it, having that in the back of your mind, it really kind of puts, you put fear aside uh, to a certain extent. Um, and then, you know, Pete's mom uh, came up and said, we're going to have a fashion show to raise money for this organization. And, you know, I look at that, like that was a, that was a, monumental event that we had about eight months after Pete died Um, and you know then you see this community start coming out and then you know I had a we I mean we did we started it really out of our little house in a bedroom Um, and you know we had a bunch of volunteers and then you know I was working and I would get a phone call at my office from one of the volunteers and so it just it was like just a series of different events, and then I mean Jim Murray, he's a, an old icon from Philadelphia. I know who, Jim. Right, so you yeah. know, and, and I I mean I sold him a lot of donuts um, in my life at Marion Pastry <laughs> Shop. He was like the best <laughs> tipper. He
2: was your best customer. He was right? such a
1: great customer. i oh, shout
2: out to Jim Murray. Yeah,
1: and you know, I, and I actually it was about noon one Friday afternoon, and I remember just sitting at my desk saying, I'm just wondering like what I'm supposed to be doing, like what is this calling, and I picked up the phone and I called Jim Murray. Uh, and, you know what, he, it was his grace on the other line saying, you know what, Marcy, maybe you're just not meant to be like where you're at. you know, And maybe this is just, it, it's just the, the journey that you have is is not sitting right in front of you. And you really have to explore it. Um, and it was really kind of that, it was really the conversation I had with him. And that was kind of how quickly I want to say I made the decision once, you know, I had had all these different thoughts going through my head for yeah. the period of time
2: interesting mm-hmm. sometimes it takes someone you know to kind of push you push you over the over the edge so to speak you know, mm-hmm. And he's such a giver,
1: right? He is such a giver. Yeah. You know, and again, it, I mean, that was, and it was ironic that it was he. I'm not sure if I called him or he called me. I mean, I just remember it was that day about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. But I walked into my boss's office to resign. Wow. You know, and then my mom thought I was having a nervous breakdown because you leave your only, the only secure thing you have, you leave. <laughs> so
2: <laughs> you went Little to, did she know <laughs> you were going to pull this off. <laughs> um, so, you know, starting, I want to, you know, mention your, your organization is incredibly successful. And you've sent thousands of of patients with their families um, on vacations. And what better need do they have than to do that, get away from the cancer and the medicine and the fear and all of that? So um, fundraising, you know, for a nonprofit, it's tough business. And there are thousands of nonprofits out there, kind of competing for um, support from mm-hmm. from people in the community. Tell me what your philosophy has been. What has worked for you in the fundraising that you've done, and maybe some things that have not worked.
1: Right. Well, I think you know. First, keep in mind that um, we all know cancer. You know, cancer, and I think there has to be some type of connection um, to to cancer. But even more so in the case of, for Pete's sake, there's a connection to the person, like who's suffering and Cancer just happens to be the reason that they're suffering, but they really are suffering emotionally and physically and spiritually and financially, and it's just not the patient; it's the caregiver, it's the family, it's the community, it's the neighbors. It, you know, so um, I think the one piece about, for Pete's sake, that is interesting um, that and that has been really um, instrumental to our success is the people that we've been able to help and the people that are behind it, and you see that. Um, and you know, the, the you know, it's interesting. Uh, the other piece. Uh, that I think of when I think of fundraising is that in giving, we get so much back in return. And there are, there's, there's uh, a group of, you know, uh, as a, as a result of our human condition, like, and uh, as of us being human beings, when you give of yourself, I just knowing the success um, of no matter how big of a gift, and it could be the gift of time or how little the gift, it could be the gift of a smile, like, to a stranger going the other direction but it's just giving a little bit of who we are like w- it just makes you feel better mm-hmm. you know and for i think for the people who for Pete, for who support for Pete's sake um, they enjoy giving and seeing joy come of of their generosity and their own kindness
2: yeah you, but you're right about that connection i think that's one of the things as you know when we're wanting to give back you have to kind of choose areas and organizations that for some reason, mean something to you, right? Mm-hmm. Because they have to resonate. Would, they have to resonate. We, you know, we want, we would love to be able to give to everyone, you know, and every cause, but it, you know, it just can't be done. Mm-hmm. Um, you you the organization um, benefits not men and women, I should say, um, ages 24 to 50. Is that still the case? So younger adults.
1: Yes, younger adults. I mean, the average age is probably in their mid-30s okay. that, we, that, we, that we help.
2: And what is the criteria you look for? I know that you partner with oncologists who will nominate their patients. Is there a criteria? How do you come up with these people? We well,
1: you know, we have like so, you know, you have to be diagnosed with cancer, you have to be within active treatment, you have to live in a certain geographic area because we there's so many people who are diagnosed with dis- this disease and we just can't help them all. Um, but then we also we really rely on the oncology professionals we ha- uh, to really identify those families that are best suited for what we're able to offer, um, that they can travel, that they're in an emotional and psychosocial state, that they're going to be able to have some great communication with their loved ones during their trip, um, that they're going to have some self-reflection while they're there. Um, you know, we, the way that we've developed our program is we give them, um, some, some tools to be able to really, 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 um, evaluate like what's happening in their lives we give them journals we give them some select readings from different authors um on spirituality on hope you know on um eating healthy with cancer and so it really kind of we we it goes across the entire spectrum uh of of healing you know of emotional healing uh and that's really kind of the the focus that we've been able to have and you know, we worked with some nominators. Um, I mean, really, we have a program committee meeting tomorrow night, and, you know, one of our best nominators was Pete, one of Pete's nurses uh, when he was sick. So, and I think those oncology professionals, they, they're they so compassionate with their patients, and they're so compassionate with that entire family because they're, they're everyone's suffering, you know, during that period that they have just been able to really kind of pinpoint for us who was best suited to spend some
2: time away. Right. And obviously they have to be able to be away from the hospital, you know, for that they're good enough, you know, and well right. enough to go and be away for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me um, about someone you've worked with that perhaps has been a, a very memorable patient story for you, somebody that you've met um, and helped and it's, they stay with you? You know, I... I
1: I mean, I can tell you the first person... I mean, I actually, I think everybody I meet stays with me. I mean, I think I take a piece of them and put it in my heart because that's really, like, that's... I think that's my personality, but I also just think it's... They inspire me, right. you know? Um, so, I'm, I I mean, there's... The very first person we sent away... Like, the very first time the phone rang, like, at my house, and it was a different line. It was a man by the name of Jim Miller, um, and he's local, and he, his sister had pancreatic cancer. And... Big family, you know, one of like six siblings, I think, and you know, he said that we've done all we can to help my sister and her husband and their son, and I think it was like maybe about seven at the time, and he's like, "Can you help them?" You know, and it was just to be able to respond and and affirmatively say yes. I'll never forget that feeling. Um, But you know, I've had just, I mean, I, I there's. There's a woman, um, Oyin Gonzalez, who lost her husband to cancer that we sent them away and then she ended up getting pancreatic cancer two years later and she passed away. So she had two small children, but her wisdom and her how brave she was and the courage she had, you know, I think each one of these people, like they, they just have such courage and they just are able to really live life, you know, even if it's in a defined period of time that's left. Mm. um, and embrace it. And I just think that like, that's, I try to take all those different pieces. So for every Oyen and, you know, and uh, there's just, there's hundreds, absolutely hundreds. There's too many. And, you know, I I feel really blessed. Like I feel like I remember woman Dara, um, you know, we give people the choice of whether or not they want to bring their children on trips. You know, and I've had people say to me, well, that's, you know, what, why would, you know, of course you would bring your children, but you know, I, I, this woman Dara, who said to me, you know, Marcy, if my husband's not okay, my kids won't be okay, you know, and I just want to be with him. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I think that's what makes our our respite vacation so unique because we really try to work with each patient, you know, and their caregiver to really kind of address what are your like what are your needs at this moment, yeah. you know, and what can we do to help you.
2: And I I know that the organization has just organically grown and expanded over time, which is what always happens and is so wonderful. And you've partnered with a lot of different people. Um, We're going to take one last quick break, and when we come back, I'd love to talk about those partners, people that are helping you. Okay. We'll be right back. There are
1: 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any.
2: Where does one turn when faced with the devastating loss of hair from cancer or other medical conditions? When Jamie Levin, owner of Wig Elegance, Wigadoo, and Rosalind Stella's Wig Boutique lost her own mother to cancer in 2009, she and her husband Rob decided to take over the full-service family-owned wig salons to honor her mother's memory. What their company offers is the personal and private experience that men, women, and children deserve at such a difficult time. To learn more about their unique services and warm and compassionate staff at all three salons, such as a free consultation with expertise, full education, private booths, and clean set and cutting services, go to WigEleganceWigs.com or call 215-945-4900. That's WigEleganceWigs.com. 215-945-4900. That phone number again is 215-945-4900. And ask for your special offer as a listener to the show on selected items, such as $50 off a synthetic wig or $100 off a human hair wig. That's wig elegance Welcome back, everyone, to women to watch. We are speaking with Marcy. Schweinkeweller this afternoon, who is the founder and CEO of For Pete's Sake, a nonprofit organization that provides respite vacations for young adults uh, battling cancer, which is such a wonderful, what a wonderful thing to do. Um, I know that, you know, everything kind of organically started to grow and expand, and people reach out, you know, out of their kind, you know, the kindness of their heart, um, but then you at the same time, you're, you're running a business, right? You have to keep it going from a financial standpoint. And um, you have to come up with ideas on how we how are we going to do this? Where are we going to get the money? How are we going to find these vacation spots? And one of the things that you do is, you know, people in the community and perhaps on a national level will offer up their vac- vacation homes. Um, what other ideas do you have, you know, that are coming in the future perhaps, and, and my thought was about Airbnb, which is a whole new phenomena um, for finding places and, and getting people to, um, you know, build those relationships and, and find places to send these, these families.
1: Right. So I think you have to be really creative uh, in kind of the approach that you want to have, and, and then you have to be able to manage the growth too. So um, one thing that we've found successful is really aligning ourselves with specific travel partners, uh for example, like Woodlock Lodge, and again, that's um a personal relationship with the and family and then you know here we are in Philadelphia, like Apple Leisure group, you know and apple vacations again a, a family you know who the Mullins who are involved in that, so I think it's really like looking at businesses that have um that have a, some type of uh allegiance to the travel industry mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me, and recognize the significance of some time away. And what it can potentially do, Um, so that's where we're we're looking at like those types of travel partners, Mm -hmm. and then like the Airbnbs that you can that can somehow promote, you know, excess time in a home.
2: Right. I mean, it's a lot to manage. You have your (coughs) special events, um, and then you have the destinations, and you know, um, individual support and donations and corporations and business. It's a lot, right?
1: It is a lot. And then, you know, I think that, and, you know, we talked about earlier before we we're on air about the Philadelphia community. We live in a really, really wonderful community of philanthropic people. Um, so, you know, I can just, a f- funny story is I was driving down the road and I saw this man's name, Jeff Devano, on a... um on a billboard for Brandywine Realty Trust, and I said, that can't be the same Jeff Devano that was on the crew team with me at LaSalle University. So, you know, I called him up and I said, could you help me? You know, and and Brandywine's been so generous with um, helping us with office space, Mm -hmm. you know, for all these years. So I think, you know, coming out and asking and identifying, you know, the need, like Mm -hmm. this is an underserved population and there's really um, very few resources that are dedicated to it. Uh, and dedicated to this age group. So, when you're when you're able to put all that together, and then really not be afraid to ask. That's right. Because you're not sure what the response is going to be. um right. it, it, it can open wonderful doors.
2: Mm-hmm. I I love the phrase. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. Right. Right. So right. So why not ask? So why not
1: ask? And and yeah. you know I I just it, and. You know, establishing relationships with some w- wonderful leaders of Philadelphia. You know, yes. we, we I, I think that we've been able to get different people engaged at For Pete's Sake uh, on a personal level because it is person to person. Like you can tangibly see the results, you know, of of what we do, you know, by just going on our website because every day we have a family that's away.
2: Yeah.
1: No, there's a good saying. See, every day we have a family away. See, I mean, there's a great little phrase. I just thought of it now but no now hey, that we'll,
2: rhymes yeah it rhymes.
1: a year from now we'll have a big billboard but you know who knows but um but i think that just being able to seize that seize that you know opportunity it's ironic pete uh had inscribed uh, his saying was carpe diem mm. and after he passed away i put that on his in the inside of his wedding ring but i think that's really what you got to do you got to seize the day yeah and seize the opportunity um to to do it because ultimately if you know you're doing good again coming back and doing the right thing you know um the, it, it can be abundant of what, uh, you know, of what can transpire.
2: Yeah. Tell me what the greatest need of the organization is today.
1: Wow. That's a, that's a loaded question. You know, <laughs> it, it probably would depend on like, me. I, I could think of 10 things, but I, I would probably, um, I would probably have to say what, what is the most challenging part is sustaining an organization in the nonprofit climate we are today, that we have today in the financial like climate that's around um, in the sense that you know we have made a conscious decision for year after year to help as many families as possible, and then just last year we realized you know we we really have a, a major responsibility to those doctors who deliver you know bad news and at the same sense deliver the news about a for Pete's sake respite um, all in one and looking at that and saying how are we going to sustain you know a the level of families that we're able to help now be and continue to grow to help more, um, and see, make sure that we're around, you know, and sustain like our mission because it's so critical. Right. So, you know, we launched a, a healing hope and happiness campaign, which is an endowment, you know, and that's a component. Um, and that's been really exciting because you really get to see like the, um, you get to see the amount of people who, who want to make a lasting impression. You know, and people say, well, you know, cancer could be cured. You know, people are always going to have emotional needs during that journey
2: mm-hmm. with the
1: disease because it it's all-encompassing.
2: Yeah. Is your goal to become national?
1: You know, I, I guess, you know, I, I would probably say in a sense we're national because we get donations from people in 40-plus states because we have to run that. Uh, we run those lists. Um, we've helped people probably from about 20 states um, you know, we're really we. It was it became about overwhelming uh, a couple of years ago. So we really kind of ref, really kind of outlined our geographic region, and, and we're actually even kind of refining it more because we just we realize that we just can't say yes to everybody. We we turn away, you know, 500 plus families who have inquiries to our program. Mm-hmm.
2: How many are um, so, on your team? How many people do you have working with you?
1: Uh there is there's six of us full time and then about uh, four of us part time. So That's not enough. <laughs> no, it's really not. And you know, I think that you know, part of it is when you ask me like I love creative talent, like I just love having people help, you know, and talent is, you know, when you run a nonprofit, you rely on a lot of people who have a lot of talents. You know, I have a great board chair who's in the PR industry. I mean, You know, I just I have attorneys who help. I mean, it's just and I think collectively, again, it's coming together with all these different talents, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, that really make us uh, really like the little engine that good.
2: Right. Okay. tell me what you do for you. What do you do for yourself? What, you, you have two children, young children, right? T- ten and eleven. 11 and uh, ten 12? and
1: twelve. 10 well, and 12. 10, yeah, she just turned thirteen though, so yeah, ten and thirteen. Right. Um, so you're
2: juggling a lot. You know, we don't we don't like to talk about work life balance in here because there's no <laughs> such thing. That's just silly. Um, but what do you do? You know, really, when you're when you're not in that office and brainstorming about how are we gonna, you know, help that next family. Yeah. What are you doing for yourself? You know,
1: I love to coach. Um, oh, I think you? coaching is really. I, I find it like just being able to give it yourself again. Like it's just really a great gift, um, especially to young a sport girls. Basketball, volleyball. Oh, you know, okay, I just great. enjoy that. Yeah. Um, you know, my as I said, like um, my second husband is is a saint uh, because he really works so hard. Like for for Pete's sake, but uh, I, and I think he's just so supportive of myself, um, and he he's always willing to give. And uh, what and is his
2: name? Mark, Mark. His name's
1: Shank. Actually, his name's Shank. I call him Shank. I don't even call him Mark for Shank Waller, but everyone makes the kind I mean, his mom calls him Mark, but I call well, him the, Shank. Well,
2: the boys always give each other a nickname. Yeah, they, they never do. go by their birth name.
1: In this case, it's the wife, too. So I yeah. do, you know, but um, <laughs> but we actually go to Seattle a lot. Okay. Um, I just, sure. I find yeah. like that, so I feel like it's like one, it's like the closest step to heaven, like for me, and you walk along the beach, and um, I just think it's so, it's so peaceful. Yeah, it uh, is. And the beauty just really lets you stop. You know, I mean, we all want to take, we all need to take a break. You know, mm-hmm. I, and I think, you know, this time that you can talk, pe- talk to people about like what their vacation plans are and what they're going to be doing this summer. And, you know, we all need to take that break. Um, so I think for me, like I, I that bridge and, you know, there's not a, there's not a care in the world. And, you know, I just, I get to be with the people that I enjoy.
2: Right. Um, tell me what you think. Do women come to you for advice because you've done this? You know, and you're you're somewhat out there in the public eye. Do they come to you, and and you know, when they're they're looking to to make a decision, or um, whether it's family or or work, and and ask you for advice? Yeah.
1: yeah, I I actually I do. I I have a lot of people who reach out to me. Like whether maybe they have been through something traumatic and some type of tragedy, and they want to give back in some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and I try to help them kind of decipher like their own thoughts and what. What that giving back looks like, mm-hmm. you know, um, and where where are they like emotionally in there, and what what role do they want to play in it? So I feel like I've mentored some people who you know have chosen to start nonprofits, or in the alternative have just chosen to align themselves and collaborate, you know, with different groups that are um, that are, that that give them you know some type of you know personal satisfaction in being a member of that group. Um, so I, I do do that quite frequently, and you know, it's always um, you know, and I also get a lot of phone calls, like, from people who are going through cancer. Uh, and, you know, it's not an easy journey, especially when you have a young family. Um, and, you know, I always, you know, I, I, had, I had a great um, man say to me once when Pete was in the hospital, like, say, when I, and I said, I just can't do this. Like, I just don't know if I can survive, like, what's happening and what's transpiring. And he said to me, you know, you're going to love that person more and more every day. You know, and that's what we're all called to do. And you know, I think when I get phone calls that people are saying it's like it's an overwhelming journey, and I say, you know, but you get to love them through it.
2: Yeah. You know,
1: and, it, and what a privilege, remarkable privilege, to be able to love them through it, and how lucky they are, you know. And 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 they might not see it then, but you know, fast forward years ahead, like I think that was a great gift that Pete gave me.
2: Mm. Yeah, it's always a gift to the giver, isn't it? And, it and is a lesson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me how you stay hopeful when you're dealing with people that are battling cancer on a regular basis.
1: Well, you know, I <laughs> I'm not always hopeful. Sometimes, I think sometimes I feel like I'm with the Debbie Downer. My 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 colleagues will tell me that once in a while. But you know what? I I think, um, you know, I think that. What we do is we bring joy, and we bring happiness, and we bring laughter. You know, we don't bring cancer to the forefront. They're there because they have cancer, but they're also there to really have fun. You know, they're there to communicate. They're there to touch. They're there to, you know, celebrate. And I think that's really, like, the essence of, you know, of that Time away and what that really does. So just like what we experience when we go on vacation, they experience the same emotions, but only magnified. Right. right. You know, and, and that's really like to, that's that's the thought that really kind of inspires me. And I think you know, I, I mean, I have I have a, a friend from high school who's battling the disease and was at Penn like Friday, and she's at Penn today, and it's encompassing, all encompassing for mm-hmm. her family, and and it's like when I see that, it you just inspired to do more you know, and you're inspired by this inner strength of so many people, you know, in their journey.
2: Yeah. Something that you said that I read and it and we spoke about it before the show and it is really a very simple statement. Kind acts can change the world. Talk about that. Why you believe that's so deeply.
1: You know, I think I'm the byproduct of many kind acts, you know, from when I was a child like to you know, all my different experiences. You know, when people took time to be kind to me, and people took time to, to give of themselves um, and and their time to me, like I've tried to just re- really recognize the significance of that, uh, and then in turn, you know, it only takes that one act of kindness that can change someone's life. Like and and, you know, and I think that like that's such a profound thought. You know, we always think it has to be layered on things, and it has to be such a grand scale, but I remember like one of my first board meetings and a board member said to me, if you've changed one life, like you've, you've accomplished your mission, you know, and whether it be professionally through for Pete's sake or then personally, like if you can just, you know, reiterate the fact that, you know, in giving, you get so much back and being kind is really, you know, it's doing God's work. Yeah. That's every single day.
2: Right. Certainly the most important. What do you have any aspirations to do something other than the work you're doing with for Pete's sake? Uh, or I mean I know it's all encompassing and it's enough. <laughs> but you know, is there anything else you think one day? I mean, you're young, you yeah. know, you have a, a long life ahead of you.
1: I feel like so, I've seen gray hairs though, so that's I That's okay. I, <laughs> 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 um
2: You know what? I um
1: you know, I do give it some thought. I, I guess, you know, in in. I do give it that some thought and I think the one piece I will always do is I will do something that I love, you know, whatever it is, it will be the right thing. Like I, I will be in the right spot, you know, and I, I'm meant to be where I'm at. And, you know, it's kind of like that theory of, of just knowing that, um, you know, someone sent me a thing on abundant thinking and I read it and I was like, it's just knowing, like when you know where you're supposed to be, life can be, have abundant
2: blessings. And you I'm assuming you talk to your children about these you know, um these these thoughts, these philosophies in life and you have a daughter and I'm wondering what you talk to her about when you're trying to instill in her that confidence and self esteem to go after, you know, what it is she wants to do and not get caught up in all the social media nonsense.
1: Right. I say, you know, it's about it's about people. You know, you're only you, you people will um the, it's being around people who make you feel good about yourself, and you make them feel good about themselves in this journey together. I mean, that's and it's those relationships that you have that really are the driving factor. Be be and how I define success.
2: Yeah, what, what do you think is the thing that kind of holds women back when it when it comes to leadership? Obviously, our program is about leadership. It's not just building confidence and and building that self esteem. It's about taking action and Leading it in any industry that is important to you, you know, you, you said the phrase somebody needs to drive the bus. Collaboration is important, and and we use that word all the time today because, you know, you find when you bring different thoughts and, and diversity into a room, you're gonna something great is going to happen. Um, but women still today kind of struggle. I think there's cultural reasons for that, but. Um, struggle with the courage to take on a leadership role. We're always volunteering. We're always wanting to help. Um, it's in our DNA. Rather than ask you what you think holds in the back, what do you think we can do? I would say, for young women to to have them find that courage to not only participate but to lead something.
1: You know, I think it's the biggest part. Um, it's probably just knowing that you have the ability to do it and having the confidence to maybe not always make the right decision but you make the best decision that you do that you can at the time you know with the circumstances that you know and then really taking that and being able to have some reflection back and say was it the right decision was it the best decision you know and and taking probably putting all that together and then moving forward you know and always moving forward Without the fear, you know, I mean, we're none of us are perfect, you know, but if you if something happens that you didn't expect, own it, you know, recognize it, figure out how you can make it better the next time and Mm -hmm. take that step.
2: Yeah, and understand that those that you are going to make a mistake and and fail, and that's where the lessons come. Yeah. Can you quickly give out your website where people can find you and learn more information? Sure,
1: sure. our website it's for Pete's A Cancer Respite Foundation, and it's takeabreakfromcancer.org is the website.
2: Terrific. Thank you so much Thank for you, coming Sue. in today and sharing your story. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch. Please check out our website to learn more at womentowatch dot net. That's women the number two watch dot net. Have a great week.